we're going to feature an artist showcase of Randy Tootin. This is the official tapes, the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for the official releases. It's a radio program that airs on a bunch of radio stations around the globe, highlighting the official releases from the band Beyond Description. Every so often, we catch up with somebody who is really connected to the band. Well, Randy Tootin is the guy who designed the album cover on Nightfall of Diamonds, the lettering on the In the Dark album. He's also the only poster artist whose work spans five decades of design for the Fillmore. He did the uh, poster for the first ever live performance of the band, a Rolling Stones concert in November of 69. It included a lot of firsts. It was the first time the band played for Bill Graham. It was the first time Graham booked a place as large as the Oakland Coliseum. And it was the first time Bill Graham ever saw a performance contract that included a writer detailing what the band expected in amenities. Uh, that poster, of course, designed by Randy Tootin. Also, uh, later, uh, just a couple months later, uh, when the Grateful Dead were busted down on Bourbon Street, a show took place at the Winterland. It was a benefit concert for the Grateful Dead. Randy did the design for that show. This is an artist spotlight on Randy Tootin. Actually, when I was born, like in um, in the 40s, they used to slap babies on their backside to wake them up. Be on your bed or face or whatever. Yeah, upside down, naked, and you got no defense, and you're getting hit by somebody. Well, that's your first taste of the real world. You're getting slapped. And that's pretty much how life goes. <laughs> Sometimes when you design a poster, a lot of people try to put everything they got, and when they're young, they want to put everything they got into the, this poster and make it just the greatest thing, like the, the Sistine Chapel of posters or whatever. Well, that's already been done a number of times, so uh, to have that as a goal is probably uh, the wrong direction to think about things. So you don't go there. You try to make it look good using whatever style you you decide on using. I know I do have a style, and you can tell my style, but it's, that's not what I was working on in the beginning. What I worked on in the beginning was to make it look good. If it looks good and balanced and, and all the parts and the right thing, and the, if this makes any sense, on the friendly side of the woods, you make the poster attractive to people. Not so much, I mean, you gotta be happy with it too. But if you make it attractive and good looking poster and balanced, that just gets more work in the future, really. Like in high school, I used to do posters for the different clubs, like social clubs and I would charge them $100 for doing a poster. Then I noticed that all the clubs wanted me to join, join them. Well, that just means that they wanted me to join them so they wouldn't have to pay me the $100. And so I figured that it was better off not joining any club and doing posters for them all. But that again, that 
uh, again, when you're an artist, your perspective doesn't doesn't encompass making money. You know, if if you're a graphic artist or an artist or any kind of an artist, that's what you're thinking about. Now, nowadays, it's probably different. Everyone's thinking about making money, and that a lot of times that that ruins what you're doing. Not not always, but very so often. Back in early high school or junior high, since I was kind of um, a little bit different than most people, everyone told me that I would never amount to anything. The English teachers and the history teachers and the, the gym coaches and and all those other people and even my fellow classmates, a lot of them said, oh, I can be anything, who are you, you get away from me. Not my art teachers. My art teachers were always supportive. But like, if you have an idea in your head, no matter how vague it is, you can't listen to people that are telling you no. There's too many of those people in the world that tell you no. And um, if you listen to them, you're not gonna do anything. So uh, when I w went to work, I tried to work for Chad Holmes. They turned me down for like about a year. I used to go to the Family Dog because like Mouse and Kelly and Rick Griffin were doing a lot of their posters for him. And that's who I wanted to work for. Well, after Chad Holmes, uh, they, they were nice guys. Jackson was the art director there. He was a cartoonist himself. And um, they would always reject me. And then I went, well, this is just totally fucked. And so I went to talk to Bill Graham, and he hired me doing four posters right away. The first time I met him, he hired me to do four posters. In the 50s, in the 60s, I was always... Um, I guess my influence from posters range from travel posters to movie posters to advertising posters to all that stuff. And so I came back to San Francisco like in um, 60, was it probably early 68. When I saw the posters by Kelly and Mouse and Rick Griffin in particular, those three artists influenced me a whole bunch. I always admired their work, and you know, I never thought about doing posters until they had some other artists do posters that weren't qu quite as snappy as Kelly or Mouse or Rick Griffin. And then I said, well, I said to myself, I said, well, really anyone can do these posters. Not, now that's not true, but if, from my perspective, it was, well, I could do these posters if they've got these sub-posters. Sub and I, um, if I was to think back hard enough, I would remember the names of these people that did the so-so posters. So that's, that's kind of what got me started to thinking about doing posters.
A lot of my stuff had to do with lettering, basically, first and foremost. When I uh, do fonts, I make up font. Generally, if it's just some individual lettering that I'm doing, then I will just do that. But if it's going to take more than just one or two names, I will do a font. And I will name the fonts certain things that have to do with the job, like uh, some of the fonts that I've named fonts that I come up with are uh, one's test and one's Randy Tune and one's uh, Apple lettering. It has nothing to do with the computer company. The names are not important, but I know what they are. Sometimes you start with one thing and then what you end up with is something completely different. So as you're thinking about it, things change in your mind and in the real world. And you just uh, you carry on. All these bands and jobs are different, so you you have to think about what the band is doing or, uh, or where they're playing or uh, all that stuff works into the deal like whatever font I decide to use or whatever font I decide to make up generally is aimed at making it look good to for the band and the venue if need be now a lot of these posters I did are fine and nice and look good but it's really the band. It's the band that's selling the poster. It's not my artwork that's selling the poster. If you have the Grateful Dead or Led Zeppelin or The Doors or the Airplane or Quicksilver or the Steppenwolf or Can't Heat, that's, that's where you get your inspiration from, kind of, the music. It's like I did a poster for the the cheese balls. Okay, nobody cares about the cheese balls except the 25 fans that they have. <laughs> and the cheese balls, of course. And it, their mother and fathers and all that stuff. But it's not a big name necessarily. Generally, if I like music of a band, then I have uh, more ideas in my head. If I don't like the band, it's hard for me to put my head around something that's an idea. If I'm working for the band, or it depends where they're playing, and so that's how I come up with these designs. It always varies. It depends on the job and the band and and where they're playing. Uh, you know, if it's somewhere in Idaho, there's not much to grab onto in Idaho opposed to New York. It's essentially done for the band or for the venue or whatever. Sometimes the design comes across really easy. And actually, when I start thinking about designs and that kind of stuff, generally it falls into place pretty easy, but then sometimes it's a little bit of a struggle. Over the years, I've had a number um, probably hundreds of jobs where the people describe something to me what they want and then I will go home and try to do what they want and what they want doesn't really work then I usually throw that out and do what I think looks good and more than uh, more than likely what happens is I return to them and show them what I've done and they go wow that's just what we wanted but 
but it's nothing close to what they wanted. But if it looks good, that's good enough. If someone hires me to do something, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, then it's their fault. sheep, if you will call them that, but they're, they're not really black sheep. They just, uh, they're those type of people in all facets of life. And those are the people that you want to do work for or be associated with. So, uh, like I said, when I started working for Bill, I worked for him full time pretty much. And then a year later when uh, Chet Helms moved out to the Great Highway, and he wanted me to do handbills or posters for him. And he said, but I can only pay $25. And I said, well, that's okay, but you can't mention anything about what I do for $25. That doesn't give you privileges to uh, critique what I do if you're hiring me for $25. So yeah, I, did, I did stuff for him along with the stuff. I was still working for Bill all the time. And I did like probably um, probably eight, nine, eight or nine or ten posters or handbills for him. And then at the end, he he started saying to me like, he should put a lot of barely clad women, not naked. Uh, and he said, you also put a lot of guns, guys holding guns. And I'm going, you know. The, the guy is there. If he's holding a gun, you know, I didn't put that in his hands. I'm using the image as the focal point for the poster. It's like I did a really nice poster for the Youngbloods with a, a woman that's an old brothels woman, old whore. And it's uh, like a dark, dark green on yellow paper, I think. Very nice looking poster. When Chad Holmes started to say, when I took the job from him, I said, but you can't say anything to me about what I use on the poster. Then toward the end, he starts critiquing what I was doing. And I said, you know, $25 doesn't give you the right to critique anything. You're lucky you're getting it for $25. So when he started that, then I stopped working for him. Now, the difference between Chad Holmes and Bill Graham, Bill Graham was a businessman. And Chad Holmes was a hippie, and, and there's nothing wrong with either one. But the businessman is going to think further ahead than the hippie. I 
didn't want to make it too too much because the band was not like the band was not like Led Zeppelin or the, or the Beatles or the Stones or any of those people. Uh, they were more like um, their music was kind of basic and in in uh, rural and like. Uh, had roots to it so you know you don't try to do something that's that's suited for Led Zeppelin for the band well uh, actually uh, Robert Plant who was a singer for Led Zeppelin he didn't particularly like the green avocado. I did a job for another Robert Plan and Allison Krauss when they toured and did that. I had some friends that I knew that were backstage, and so I went to talk to them. And um, Robert Plant came over, and uh, he mentioned um, he mentioned the poster I did for him and uh, Allison Krauss. And he said. Uh, he said to me, you make me look like an old man. And I said, I said, well, you are an old man. <laughs> and then as far as the Rolling Stones, when they played Oakland Lyceum in 19, was it 1970 or 69 or one of those years, you know, Bill gave me the picture. And when you're doing something for the Rolling Stones, you know, to try to go overboard and do something that knocks everyone off, you're better off just trying to keep it simple and that sometimes, it's like the Pink Floyd poster with the pig in the sky, you're better off keeping it simple rather than trying to get it real complicated. So a lot of times less is actually more. Besides doing posters that are all filled up from corner to corner, sometimes negative space counts for more than, than positive space. Working with the Grateful Dead, when it involved Jerry Garcia, he had more... Jerry was... Um, he was attuned to everything, whether it be poetry or written work or or art or uh, graphics or whatever. He, he was into all that stuff. I talked to Jerry a number of times, and I talked to other people, Phil Lesh, uh, Bob Weir, all those people. And um, but generally, if I got any feedback or or ideas, but Jerry Garcia actually was the Grateful Dead. Now, going back to 1977, the Led Zeppelin, the blimp in space, that fell together really quickly. I think we did that in like 48 hours. So it's all different. It depends on the band, the venue, uh, what, what ideas I come up with. And that all dictates what you do. The Mark Knopfler poster that I just did, I had the luxury of about a month to work on it. That's a relatively long time.
Well, there were lots of bands that, that liked my stuff, but it wasn't so much they liked, um, how can I say this, uh, uh, maybe they personally didn't know me, and so they, but they like, you know, that's the thing, when I was starting, I didn't really care to be famous. I, uh, what I wanted was my, my work to be famous. And that makes a big difference because once you inject personal things into it, it kind of goes. Um, you can get uh, you can get fooled by different roads and different paths. So these new bands, uh, sometimes these new bands ask me to do something for them, and I really have no idea what to do for them. Because, because I may not like their music that much. That doesn't mean it's not good for somebody. But it's not good for me. It's like uh, I designed something for uh, Rage Against the Machine back in, uh, I think it was 2003 or something. And they, they specifically asked for me to do something for them. But then they did this thing, and before it was going to go to print, they actually broke up and couldn't get along with each other. Back in the 70s, almost all, actually all the bands, even if I didn't particularly like them, all the bands were kind of interesting. Nowadays, it's just, just so many... Uh, types and different styles and all that stuff and so if it sounds good that's that's how I operate that that's the problem you know when I was doing this in the 60s and 70s there were only a few artists and you knew them by name okay nowadays there's a, you see how many artists there are and a lot of them I don't even know what they do or what what their style is, because it's kind of, uh, their style is kind of all over. They're, they're still trying to establish their style, I guess. Most of these young people that want to be honest, there's a certain amount of fame that they're seeking. But I think they're they're looking down the wrong path is what I think they're doing. They should just worry about their work and don't worry about how famous or wealthy or whatever they're going to be. Because if you're an artist, uh, generally you're not going to be rich. Actually, uh, I was watching some news uh, the, um, a couple of months ago, and there was some guy giving a stock report from his office. And on the wall in the background, he had all, uh, all uh, a lot of my posters framed. So all these posters have become essentially high art on some level. I'm certainly appreciative of that because uh, once I'm gone, then these things will live on.
Well, you know, um, all the stuff that Oliver did back in the uh, 60s and 70s, you know, it wasn't much different than the, the turn of the century in Paris when um, Toulouse Lautrec did the Moulin Rouge posters. So it was the same kind of thing. People always ask me about buying posters and and what I like to say to them is they say, well, you already missed the concert. So to buy a $10,000 poster to have on your wall is not, uh, if you can get the good looking reprint that looks great, uh, like, for instance, the Skull and Roses, the famous Skull and Roses that Mouse and Kelly did. If you get a good-looking reprint of that, that that's just as good. It's, you, you already missed the concert, really. Now, you know, I used to know people that had uh, Picassos and original Tulis tracks and Monet and all those people. And the originals they have are in a bank vault because they're worth like hundreds of million dollars. And so they have a, a reproduction, a good looking reproduction framed on their wall. So, uh, you know, I, I try to be, uh, I try to be fair with everyone. I perceive myself as uh, being fair. Now, some people, some people that I'm enemies with don't think I'm fair at all, but I'm not fair with them.